The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Christmas is a hard time for some people, especially when they're facing their first Christmas without their loved ones. It can be hugely reflective and for those going through the grieving process. One person who's opened up about the realities of loss is Jake Quickenden. You'll know him from X Factor. I'm a celebrity dancing on ice. Jake lost his brother and his father and he's opened up about that loss in the hope that others can do the same. And Jake joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning. You're very welcome, Jake. Hi, are you okay? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, on this frosty morning. <laughs> so tell me, Jake, you're you're a new dad. Is this your first Christmas as a dad or your second? This is my second Christmas as okay. a dad, but it's all getting it's all getting very exciting now because he's <laughs> uh he's obviously nearly two now. He's understanding what's going on a lot more. So he loves opening presents. Oh, he, he probably prefers the wrapping paper more than the actual present, if I'm honest. Now, did you um, make the parent rookie of introducing an elf into your house? Yes, there's two elves in my house. Oh no! Um, yes. So, yeah, the house is quite crazy. But luckily, I am um, actually in Panto at the minute. So my missus is getting the whole elf, uh, the whole elf shabacle. OK, well, I would you, yeah. you would definitely not be getting anything from Santa. You would be on the bad list if the elf was there yeah. and you weren't. So. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely on the bad list. <laughs> Christmas must be quite bittersweet for you. Um, you know, you have... A new family yourself. It must be so great for your mum to have a grandson and all the things to look forward to at Christmas. But the fact that there's people missing must be so hard around this time of year. Yeah, it's a very bittersweet time, if I'm honest. And it's took me quite a lot of years to um, start enjoying Christmas again. And I think part part of that is down to the fact that I've got my own family now. So mm. it's a, a bit more special. But yeah, it can be a really hard time. And, and I think that's why I wanted to kind of partner up with Co-op because um and let people know that there's help out there because I struggled quite a lot when I first lost my dad and my brother I didn't really know who to turn to I didn't really want to be a burden to people um I didn't know if I started talking about my loss would they maybe get upset about a loss that they'd maybe been through so it was quite uncertain times when I lost my dad and brother um but yeah as the years go on and I think grief can take many forms and it and it pops up at the the worst moments you can be listening to the radio and a song comes on and and that makes you remember but I feel like as long as we're talking about it and there's a conversation and we're we have support there for people um it can be much easier to deal with tell us for people who don't know can you tell us a little bit about your dad and your brother was your your brother your only sibling (laughs) no my my little mate who's my little brother so um and was there how much was there between the two of you there was four years between us um so we were we were pretty much best friends um and he was 19 when he passed away so it was a really it hit me quite hard obviously my Mm. dad losing my dad hit me really hard but I think losing my brother was a different kind of pain because I felt like being his older brother I was there to protect him I should have been able to save him um and I obviously couldn't do that and that played on my mind for quite a few years Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, my dad was only 52 when he passed away. So he was no age at all, really. Um, and they both died of cancer. It was quite, um, quite a tough battle for them both. Um, and they, they, they survived as many years as they could. And, um, unfortunately, yeah, they lost that. They lost the battle, but yeah. Uh, and then after that, it was my own battle and my mum's battle and mm-hmm. my older brother's battle. And we, we all kind of dealt with grief in different ways until we realized that maybe, talking about it as a family and coming together 
kind of made it a lot a lot easier mm. it's actually it's actually 10 nine years since my little brother, brother. and about 14 years wow. since my dad okay. um so it's it's a long time but honestly I, I i can't believe it's been that long because i still look back and i can remember what i had on on both of those days uh-huh. and where i was and how kind of how i felt and everything like that and i think that's one thing that losing somebody you'll never really forget that day mm-hmm. um because it's for many people it's the hardest day of their life do you know what i mean yeah um and then and then and then it's about trying to find a way to deal with the grief kind of wish that i knew about other support kind of out there such as the charities such as the co-op funeral care like who offer support to people i, I didn't know that myself so Sometimes when I was having a bad day and I kind of didn't want to talk to anyone else about it, I didn't even feel like there was anywhere to turn to. Mm. But I just want to let people know that there is a lot of there is a lot of places to turn to. And did you get counselling or anything in the end? Um, I've actually just started getting some counselling recently mm. um, um, and having some therapy about everything. Um, I've had two sessions now. And I feel like it's actually really nice to open up to somebody who's quite impartial. They don't really know you. Um, and you can kind of just let loose, really. Mm-hmm. And as a man, because I know like women, we're so good at talking <laughs> to each other and, um, you know, discussing how we feel. It, it must yeah. be important for you in particular to kind of promote that, you know, men really need to talk about how they're feeling, especially when it comes to losing someone so close to them. Definitely. I think that's something that men don't do enough is they don't open up and talk about their feelings. And I think there's still a little bit of a taboo subject around it where men think they're too strong to be able to do that or it's not a a macho thing to do but I want to let people know it's actually the opposite I think it's a really masculine thing to do to be able to open up and it shows a lot of strength and a lot of courage Mm. Um, and me a young lad who's kind of played footy at a high standard and and enjoyed boxing and stuff like that and I and I class myself as a bit of a laddie lad you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I like my sports and stuff like that but I also, I'm not, I'm not afraid to open up about my feelings. I'm not afraid to cry if I feel low. And I'm not afraid to let people know when I'm struggling with my anxiety or my mental health. So I think it's, um, it's something that needs to happen more for guys, especially. They need to know that it's all right to open up and there's, mm. there's support out there for them. Do you find when you lost your dad and your brother that, that you lost something of yourself? And I don't mean like the physicality of having your brother and your father around do you feel you lost anything in your personality or yeah I always say that um I kind of I feel like my heart my heart was broken when Mm. my dad and my brother died and it never really mended it never really fully healed I maybe I maybe glued it back together but it wasn't fully there was still cracks in it Mm -hmm. um and I feel like that's always going to be that way I feel like I'm always going to have a little part of me missing um, and it probably did take me a few years to get my personality fully back to what it was. I, I kind of went into myself a little bit more than I would. Um, but I kind of pride myself on being an out there person, being kind of like happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. And that's how my dad and my brother would have remembered me before they passed away. They were, that's, that's the person they knew. So when I kind of realized that that's the person they knew, I didn't want to change myself. I didn't want to be this person that I wasn't. So it made me get my personality back in a way. But like I say, my heart was a little bit broken and it always will be. But I think something that's helped mend that is having my own baby now. So 
yeah, there's um, you have to kind of live with it and and learn to grow with it. It's always going to be there. Grief is always going to be there, unfortunately. But yeah. you kind of find ways to to help. Mm-hmm. And your little boy has your brother's name as his middle name. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. He's Leo Oliver. Oh, so lovely. yeah, he's got my. I just oh, wanted lovely. to kind of tip tip my hat to my little brother because he was my best friend. And, oh. And let him know that he's always going to be with us. Great. And you said at the beginning that, you know, Christmas can be such a trigger for people. And I think especially people who might be going through grief and the early stages of grief. As someone who's nearly a a decade and a decade and more on, does it get easier? Can you say that to people that it gets easier? It's quite a strong statement to say it gets easier. Mm. I don't feel like it does. I just feel like you, you become stronger as a person and you become better. Uh, you find better ways to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never going to be easy losing your closest people to you. So it, I can't say it's going to get easier. But I will say that sometimes when you look back and you you get upset in the early stages and you maybe shed a tear for a memory, I think now I, sh- I, I shed a smile. I smile about those memories now because I'm happy that I'm still talking about them 10 years on and I've not forgot the little memories that I've, that I've kept. So it doesn't get easier, but you, you find ways to deal with it and you find more reasons to smile. Great. Well, that is good to hear. And listen, I, I think one of the good things about social media is that we talk more about these subjects that are usually you know, kept to yourselves. And you're doing that with yeah. Colleen Nolan. You're on the Let's Talk About Grief podcast. If people want to check out that, they can search for Let's Talk About Grief. Uh, and I said it's fronted by Colleen Nolan. Jake, thank you so much for talking to me this morning. Thank you. I hope you have a happy Christmas and God bless your wife thank for you. doing the elf every single morning. <laughs> yeah. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Thanks a million. I'm very impressed as well. <laughs> have a lovely thank Christmas. You, Thanks so much, you Jake. Too. You too. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Okay, it's Christmas. And what says Christmas more than potatoes? I, I know, I know you're thinking turkey and ham and everything. But think about it. Potatoes are a staple part of my Christmas plate anyway. They'll be mashed, roasted. And if I'm feeling very fancy or buy it from the shop, some potato gratin as well. Well, Owen Sheehan is the 23-year-old Limerick man behind Country Munch. It's a fresh food mail preparation service and he joins me on the Sunday Grill this morning to tell us why potatoes are a tasty versatile food that are good value for money. You're very welcome Owen. Thank you very much. It's a very proud thing to be an Irish <laughs> spokesperson for potatoes. Yeah, it's one of the highlights. And, and what better though because I think um, you know deliveries of, of already prepared food have got really big in Ireland hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. so that's that's my own my own start. It was that um, meal prep service, and it was purely just out of necessity for myself. I was cooking for myself, and then I started being offered uh, money to for to feed others, literally just friends and family. So they they bought a meal off me and started with two or three dinners, and it grew from there. And I'm really lucky now. It's it's been my full time job for the last few years, and we have a big catering and meal prep service here in Limerick. So. It, it's, it is, yeah, it comes down to convenience as was the biggest thing. We sell mm. time, you know, we give people time back in their evening if they don't want to cook or they don't have time to cook. We, we take that burden out of their lives. And is the potato the main carb that you kind of use in most of your meal preps? It is and it isn't. I mean, it's a huge staple and it mm. always will be. And it's funny, it depends who you're feeding, you know. 
we see different teams in different parts of Ireland and, and you see correlations to even age demographics. Um, you know, some demographics are, are really happy to be experimentative when I say that, you know, with pastas and rices like a bolognese or a curry where then there's some demographics in some parts of Ireland then that are, you know, very much meat and two veg, mm. whereas the potatoes. Uh, and I'm from, I'm from West America. I'm from the countryside. So I would have grown up with any dinner you have at home, as exotic as it might be, there's probably a plate of spuds somewhere totally. in the kitchen just just in case. Now, you are the perfect man to ask then about what your favourite potato creation is. If you could only eat one kind of potato, and I don't mean the different roosters and, and all those yeah. different types. I mean a chip, mashed, jacket or gratin. What would you choose? That's such a tough question. <laughs> I... I always tend to veer towards like the roast, either like oh, in I the wedge about format. The roast. So, yes. Yeah. So especially now coming Christmas time, um, you know, like those roasted potatoes with dinner with the duck fat or goose fat. It's so hard to, to oh. compare to that. A good creamy mash is great, but I even t- like even with baby potatoes, I'll often cube them up, pop them in the oven and they cook so quickly. Amazing. And it's really kind of, and I suppose if you're looking for that kind of healthier option, you kind of get that takeaway hit from a really good roasted yeah. wedge or, or, or homemade chips. It kind totally. of ticks that box as opposed to going down to the local chipper. And you know, the air fryer was kind of made for the potato, wasn't it? It is, yeah. It's it's something that I've seen, you know, come to popularity massively in the last year or two. And they're they're fantastic. You know, it's like it's it's a mini oven on your on your countertop and I think it takes a lot of the pressure off people too where they know they can just pop it in and leave it alone and come back in fifteen minutes later and they'll have something, mm-hmm. you know, really well cooked at and nicely cooked it. So it is great. I suppose anything that improves people's experience of cooking at home is a positive. Uh, and usually that stuff either takes some time or takes some prep or takes some pressure off the person when they're cooking. Yeah, totally. Now you've talked about, you know, the demographic that always has meat to veg and potato, but potatoes can be incorporated into international dishes too, can't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've I've travelled across the world, but especially I, I lived in Europe for some time. Mm. Uh, and, you know, wherever you go, either you're in Spain with their um, potato omelettes, anything at all in Italy, you know, it's used in Nucky. So it is, it's it's as Irish as it may sound, the potato, it's so versatile. And, and I think wherever you go, whether you're in, you know, Asia, in curries, just potato cubes, there's they're, they're everywhere. So that shows the true versatility of, of the kind of humble potato. It can be used in so many different dishes in so many different ways. And, and it really is the kind of the be all and end all of a dinner plate. Now, when it comes to Christmas time as well, we, we have so many leftovers. Um, you know, I, I see in the UK like their bubble and squeak, which I'm really going to give it a go this week, this mm. next week after Christmas to try and make it. Have you any other kind of ways of, of reusing potatoes? Yeah, we, we did a good bit recently on this with Borbia and we we were working with, so croquettes was one that I was doing a lot. So I had a lot of leftover mashed potatoes. So we made croquettes, we wrapped them in some feta cheese, oh, put some breading on the potato. You're talking my language now, okay. Yeah, yeah and it's it really, really simple. So that's how to use a mash. I even made a lemon and potato cake recently. Um, like so a it's sweet like cake? A lemon. Yeah, so it's a lemon cake basically it's like a glorified sponge cake but you add in some mashed potato and it adds a really kind of nice richness but also a really good kind of base to the cake as well as it's a it's a really kind of nice cross section when you cut into it and i suppose people might be there might be an aversion to it when they hear it but there's no real taste of potato when you cut into the cake it just adds to the consistency of, of the bake itself mm. 
Um, so it can be used in sweet or savory. And then you have the likes of your kind of your hash brown, um, your hash browns with leftover spuds, or you can do like a breakfast hash and you're popping in, you know, steamed potatoes into your frying Yum. pan with some treats or a sausage and then crack a few eggs over the top. So there's, there's a place for it always. You just have to be a little bit creative and, you know, willing to either look up a recipe or, you know, try it around, play around with it. I'm, if there's always, even actually the best example, and this, this kind of went semi-viral on our social media recently, mm. was we were doing a lot of mashed potato in the production kitchen. We had a load of potato peels left over. So I all washed and peeled, tossed, tossed them in some oil, salt and pepper, and we roasted them in the oven. And you get these kind of like homemade, potatoes for all the world the really crispy skins um so they're really they're, like they're a good option to eat and either have as a snack or you can like put them over steak or, or, or anything mm. like that so every part of the potato can be used um so long as it's cleaned and washed and, and cooked accordingly there should be no waste off it um i'm from wexford have you heard of our wexford delicacy in wexford town mostly have you heard of the no i haven't the rissole or the rissole or rissole people say i always pronounce it wrong have you heard of the rissole I it, it rings a bell to me now. I wouldn't be too familiar with it, but I have I have been preached before about it. Okay, well, you need to head down to Wexford Town and to a number of chippers and ask for a rissole. They'll ask you, do you want it battered or do you want it breaded? And I think it will blow your mind when what they do okay. with those potatoes. Okay, just really shows how much there is that can be done with potatoes, and it's especially around Christmas time. So, are you going for the roasty? The mashed, are you doing anything else with your potato on your Christmas Day plate next week? We'll always have roasty. Okay. We'll probably have a little bit of mash. Bit of mash. And there might be a croquette here or there. Oh, it depends It depends nice. on who's coming and who's bringing which. But always the roasties um, are, are a staple, I suppose. We we have a big family at home, so it was all we're always feeding seven or eight people. Like okay. you, you just simply <laughs> can't have enough. Like it's always yeah. the fear of you. You will run out. So there'll just be conveyor belts of potatoes going into ovens um, okay. out in West Limerick next week <laughs> well listen enjoy it it sounds like heaven to me if you want to yeah, head over to potato.ie you can just discover loads of delicious potato recipes I'm definitely going to be trying the baked potato with caramelised red onion bacon and cheddar cheese that is definitely my bag potato.ie is the website that is Owen Sheen and he is from Country Munch Oh, and thanks a million for joining me this morning to talk all things potato and happy Christmas to you. Happy Christmas to you too. My pleasure. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103 and Wednesday is the winter, winter solstice, the shortest day of the year and there's an evening of celebration planned in Waterford City. It's got fireworks, live music and the unveiling of a huge clock. It's all happening as part of the Winterville Festival and the Waterford Treasures Irish Museum of Time and Eamon McEnany from the Museum of Time joins me on the phone with more details. You're very welcome back to the Sunday Grill, Eamon. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. And what a success the Museum of Time has been. I think you were in with me, what, about well before the pandemic to tell me about the idea of the Museum of Time. It has been a massive runaway success, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been a huge success. Yeah, we've brought 60,000 visitors in there this year, which is, which is great. And um, it, it shared, it's something that seems to appeal to, to a very broad audience. You know, given that it's, it's in some ways a slightly exotic kind of exhibition, mm. But we've we've biggest collection in the world of Irish clocks and watches, and like some of them are really spectacular timepieces. So I suppose it's understandable, you know, not only mechanically are they interesting, but even as pieces of furniture and all the rest of it, that they're they're very interesting, you know, which is 
you know, it shows craftsmanship on all different levels in terms of cabinetry and then, of course, the technological craftsmanship of being able to make a timepiece that's so accurate, you know, which is great. And is there an oldest clock or watch there that you can... We, we have the earliest watches go back to the... In Ireland, go back to the 1580s, uh, uh, sorry, 1680s, and the earliest clock was back to the same time, around, around 1680, which is which is quite rare, even on European terms. Obviously, they were making them in Germany and in Britain uh, earlier on, but like in terms of... Uh, and again, the, the clocks you know, hundreds of years ago, really only for the very wealthy people. You know, the very earliest clocks, mm. you wore them around your neck like you carry around your <laughs> up-to-date iPhone or whatever, and you'd want to show off to everyone that you were so sophisticated that you had one of these things. So that they were, when we call them watches, that be the size of the palm of your hand, nearly, you know, they fit in the palm of your hand. So and when did, the watch kind of, when did the watch come along then? Well, then you had the fob watches that everyone sees from Oh, this is the one you take out of the pockets, kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Waistcoat, yeah, which are lovely. And then they say that what, what really brought on the, the norm, or what we call what we call a watch today, the strapped watch, came in the war then, because obviously fellas going over the top in the First World War, you know, sadly to kill people, um, needed to have their watch close to them and not have to be rooting in a pocket for them. So you had it on your wrist, you know, when, when they'd be making the assault, and, and that's then. It became popular after the First World War. Then. Who would have thought that? Yeah. yeah, that would be so intriguing. But I suppose it really yeah. tells a lot about ourselves as people and where we were in the world when we needed yeah, watches it's true. and clocks. I suppose too, we're all obsessed with time, aren't we? In some way or another, well, even more so now, modern mm. generations, you know. And, and as I said at the beginning, there was much status symbol as anything, you know. So, but and and showed that 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 you you knew about these things. And then, of course, what happened was. For scientific experiments, you had to have a really accurate time then, of course, course everyone knows. But the, on sea, at sea then, to know your location, they developed, Harrison developed this clock that worked on, the, on a ship, which the movement of the ship didn't upset it, which was a big advance. Wow, wow. Must uh, and one of the most interesting clocks we have, actually, has got what's called a one board. Your listeners now with detail will call an anchor escapement, which means... It it, um, it regulated the clock much finer and it, it actually made the clock the tick-tock sound, sound of a clock. And interestingly, we have the oldest one, the very first one we think in the world that was made. We can't prove it's the very first one. It certainly is the oldest mm. one in the world. And an interesting interest was found out at Balnamon in an auction out here and there was two watches by the same man. And this was made now in, in the 1660s. Mm. You know, it's an English clock, but it's made in the 1660s. Wow. And the one they have in the British Museum by the same maker was made in, and they always said that their one was the eldest, the oldest in the world. And now our one beats that by about 10 years. Well and it's interesting, <laughs> the workings of these are all brass. You know, they're always all brass uh-huh. material for making the cogs and the wheels. And But our one actually has got gilded. The brass is gilded. So we reckon uh, Clement, who made it, um, Said, look, this is this is revolutionary. This is going to change the okay. whole like, concept of timekeeping. And he obviously had to gild it for that very purpose. Then you know, to, wow. and you have that there special. in the museum. And we have it, yeah, wow. yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. And of course, you're at yeah. Greyfriars there in Waterford City, Waterford, uh, yeah, the Museum of Time, and Time. you're doing something very special on the winter solstice with yeah, a you, new yeah. clock as well. So this all kicks off at 8 o'clock on the plaza in Waterford City, this pre-celebration for the winter solstice, but then people can head very close there to Greyfires to the Museum of Time. 
That's right, and there's going to be fireworks, and, and it's great to work with the people organising the Winter Solstice Festival. You know, it just shows that when people work together, how we can make a big mm. thing out of something. And, and they are the, the arts office here in in, in, in Waterford Council, Conor Nolan, and and, um, and and certainly the people in the Winter Solstice Festival have been very supportive. So we've decided to coordinate to, to unveil the clock. Um, it'll actually be unveiled at nine o'clock. When, and the fireworks will 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 happen. Okay. Uh, it'll be unveiled at the time of the fireworks. And I just want what's really intriguing too is the fact that the whole thing was was made here in Watford actually okay. uh, by um, by, by um, Keating's Fabrications, which which is great. I mean, the workmanship they've put into it is absolutely spectacular. And it's huge, and isn't the, the, it? The, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, there's it's. It's a concept I had come up with a while ago. Um, we got funding from Fault Ireland and. We decided to a clock outside the Museum of Time would be appropriate, and we, we tendered it. And this this one, um, this tender came back. So that that's but the concept was that put wings on a clock. You know the old uh, the old Latin tempus fugit time flies. Okay. Um, and the older you get, the more you realise that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, so basically, we we made the the wings are are out of. Um, the, the dials of clocks, you know, they're see-through, but they light up then at night, and okay. and, um, and it chimes and everything else on the orange radio control, so it'll, it the clock so it'll automatically be always on the right time, oh, even fab. when the hour goes okay. forward or backwards. All oh, right, so it'll be in addition to Washford City then that it will chime oh, yeah. on the hour. Lovely. Oh, it'll be chime on the hour. Yeah. Now we, we're going to stop it at eight o'clock in the night chiming because we'll okay. be fair to our neighbours. Obviously, would must be listening at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I wouldn't be too happy. I think young, in. young, young families. They're yeah. Trying to get them or something like that so yeah look we're really excited about it and to be honest we had a phone call at half eight this morning someone was out last night and saw the lights on and rang me up to, to, to say how lovely it looked oh lovely well look it's being unveiled yeah. this coming Wednesday for the winter solstice it all kicks off uh, the festival itself from 8pm and it's part of Winterfell of course on the plaza yeah. in Waterford City uh, it's a pre-celebration for the winter solstice then you can head to Greyfriars um, to see the clock there's fireworks there is so much going on and um, the two websites you need to have uh, think about are winterval.ie and then, of course, the Museum of Time is part of Waterford Treasures. So if you go on to waterfordtreasures.com, you can find out more details of that yeah. as well. Eamon, congratulations. That's, thanks. For, thank you. And that's, Best thank of luck you. with everything. Thanks thank a you. million. Yeah. And happy Christmas. Happy to you Christmas. And the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is a Sunday morning. The last one before Christmas Day. You're listening to Beat 102-103 in the Sunday Grill with me, Orla Raffle. And it feels like we've chatted to my next guest. Well, I suppose we have talked about every book that she's brought out because they are Southeast based. So who better to talk to than Michelle Tobin from County Tipperary, who has brought us a story about crows from an estate in Tipperary and now has more stories about Tilly who is a Tipperary Saurus. As you can imagine, they are children's books and they've got lovely messages behind them. And Michelle joins me on the phone this morning. A lovely little Christmas gift, Michelle. Hi, Orla. Thanks a million for, for contacting us. It's great to be back. It's lovely to talk to you again. Now, the first time we spoke to you was about Avondale Alfie, who's quite a famous crow in your estate, isn't it, Michelle? Yeah, sure is. Um, myself and two of my friends, um, we came together during the first lockdown, actually, mm. believe it or not, seems like a lifetime away now really does. Um, to introduce um, Avondale Alfie. And he was a friendly 
Crow, um, Neve Quinn, Michael Venny, who would be a fantastic graphic designer, and uh, Natasha O'Keefe, who is a psychotherapist, and myself. And um, we brought out the, a couple of books in that series, actually. Um, Avondale Alfie was the first one. And then we kind of explored the themes of, you know, children starting school for the first time. So that was um, Alfie's little sister, Alice, uh, the Crowdashians, as we call them. <laughs> and um, they, uh, he, she was starting school. And then we did a lovely Christmas one last year where we gave um, a child a chance to be a character in it. Oh, lovely. Um, and that all stemmed from uh, Culture Night. We had a, we were really delighted to go to our local library um, during Culture Night. And one of the children who attended on the night um, was was chosen by the Arts Council out of a hat. And um, she, Izzy was her name. And uh, she became the central character in the third book for Christmas last year. So Gorgeous. that was lovely. Oh, I have to say, yeah. my little girl so has t- them all when you sent them to me. And she still oh, reads oh. them. So they're in her list of books that she loves. And and how is Avondale, Alfie? Have you seen him around recently in these days? Yeah, he's, he's a bit cold at the moment I'd now. But, so. um, you know, he's... <laughs> <laughs> I think he's taking a little bit of cover, but uh, hopefully in the new year we will be uh, we'll be um, exploring another Avondale Alfie. Oh yeah, um, we're, and I think crows at the moment. And crows are well able to look after themselves, aren't they? Really? Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 not going to be uh, found lacking with faces. <laughs> <laughs> now let's move on to Tilly, and Tilly's a very special um, type of dinosaur because she's a Tipperary saurus. Oh, I'm telling you now, and there's not many of those left, and she is 130 millionth generation. Wow. So, like, she's super, super special. Um, yeah, Tilly is our little temporary source. It's a kind of a different type of book that myself and Neve had come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more sort of aimed at uh, preschoolers, um, early readers. It's kind of like a rhyming style, but still with a nice story, um, you know, as well as, you know, a little message as well, because I find that with children, you can't really be too preachy, and you mm-hmm. need to have, like, a little story to keep them obviously um, interested in the book and that they're not being lectured to if you know what I mean and tell us about the story because it's very Christmas based it's lovely it is um, we we called it Tilly's perfect gift and basically Tilly loves Christmas like Mm. is like you know I suppose the the Tipperary source version of Mariah Carey um, just absolutely (laughs) loves Christmas and you know and her two best friends are Millie the Mouse and Billy the Bee and they all live together in their Tipperary house and um, they have decided to try and get Tilly the perfect gift because she's so good to everybody else and she always makes everyone feel special and you know a really good friend and they want to get her the perfect gift so they work together to try and find out what that perfect gift is so most people would say oh is it what's it going to be is it going to be, you know, this, that in a big box or whatever? So we're just trying to explore the idea that, you know, it doesn't have to be a massive present. Mm. It can just be something really magical, like a nice experience, a little memory or to go somewhere. And so I won't give the book away of what they actually no, do don't. choose. But um, let's just say there's a new uh, there's a new character, Teddy. So Tilly and Teddy possibly down the line will be <laughs> another uh, another book. But Lovely. Um, yeah, so it's it's really sweet. And Neve has done an amazing job in Christmas fying it all up. And um, Tilly looks lovely with her red top and her red bow and her red Santa hat. So it's really, really cute, I have to say. Now, I, I actually love it and I love the cover of it. Gorgeous. Um, yeah, so, so we're, what's we're really that then? That That's four books. No, five books. Is it five books yeah, or six? Till, it's our... It's our second Tilly so the first Tilly we had was all about um, Tilly's uh, visit to the dentist oh yes and we were just kind of trying to do a little um, sort of play on how you know it's not scary to go to the dentist mm-hmm. even though you might think it is and I have to say our local dentist John Pierce was so good he took <laughs> Tilly the book into the surgery and uh, we had some great photo opportunities with him oh, and brilliant. he was delighted obviously to get that message across to say you know come on in we'll have a look at your teeth brilliant and, you know, and then there's so, three um, alpha 
the Avondale Alfie books, are there? Three Avondale Alfie books, well, yeah. So hopefully, it. as I said, a new one maybe in, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, a new one maybe <laughs> in, in uh, 2023, you never know. But uh, Tilly is the, is the woman of the moment anyway, uh, this Christmas. And we have to say we just love her. And she's, and the Smallies actually really like her because the rhyming style really like hits home with Smallies because they kind of half learn it off. It's like when you're reading to them, like they can like finish it off and they know what's coming. So I love that. Lovely. And, um, you know, it's been received very well and the Smallies really like it. So we're. So we're delighted now. People can buy it online, can they? But is it available in any, any shops in Tipperary or the southeast? Um, yeah, in in at the moment we it's available online at uh, TillyTheTipperarySource.ie. Um, then we have it in the fabulous Flanagan's Lane, which is um, a beautiful cafe here in Tipperary Town. But there's also like a section for like locally produced um, items. Mm-hmm. So there's everything, anything in there. It's, it's fabulous. And um, it's on sale there on the shelves. We have some copies in Shoes Cottage in Clonmel. So it's it's really relatively new. It has only really been released in the last two weeks, okay. uh, week and a half. So um, we're hoping that we'll get it into a few more places before that. Uh, I know time is against us, but um, it is, you know, just trying to get the word out there yeah. that it's, it's cute stocking filler. It really is like. Yeah, lovely. Um, a lovely and size really lovely as well, little. like a small enough size. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I know somebody actually who bought the first one for their little girl and the little girl absolutely loved it so much. She wanted to bring it on holidays. They went on holidays and then sun cream spilled in the bag all over the book. So she had to go and buy a second one when she came back because she was so traumatized that the book was gone. (laughs) Good stuff. So like it's it's lovely. and We love getting the feedback from from all the small children like and it just makes our job even easier, you know. Lovely. Well, it's lovely to see Tipperary represented again in a children's book this time. For preschoolers, it's Tilly, the Tipperary Saurus and Friends. The website, if you're not near those Tipperary stores, is Tilly, the Tipperary Saurus.ie. And Michelle Tobin and Neve Quinn McIlvenny are the people behind it. And Michelle, thank you so much for talking to me this morning and happy Christmas to you. You too, Orla, and thanks so much for all your support. We really appreciate it. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the Sunday Grill, the last one before Christmas. We won't be here next week, so you won't won't hear the dulcet tones of... Brian. Brian. (laughs) 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 I think we're, like, we just... Oh, Orla, we're insane. I think we're sort of... No, don't say, I don't like that. No. No, No, I don't like that. Oh, they're insane. We just get each other. Insanely funny. Insanely funny. Yeah, we'll tell ourselves that. <laughs> okay, let's talk a movie that you can watch while enjoying an eggnog. Have you ever had eggnog? I have not. Me it's alcohol in it. I don't drink, sure. Oh, yeah. I, I've never had it either. I don't really know what it is. It's anyway, like, It's like egg egg white, isn't it? Uh, all right, don't enjoy an eggnog. Um, and some plum pudding. Another thing I don't like. No, I don't ever eat Don't get pudding. it. Just don't get it. From the comfort of your own sofa. Pinocchio comes from the mind of award-winning filmmaker. And we had such issues with this in the broadcast centre during the week. I have been told it's Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. Um, it's a story you'll think you know. But of course, as you know, with any Guillermo del Toro movie he turns everything on its head is this a good version of turning things on its head let's have a listen to Pinocchio and then Brian will tell us more I want to tell you a story it's a story you may think you know but (laughs) you don't over there what is that Papa (gasps) it speaks he's just a puppet no I'm not I'm a real boy People are sometimes afraid of things they don't know. I don't understand. 
We have found him, our star. Everyone shall love you and call your name Pinocchio. Pinocchio! There you go, that is Pinocchio. We know the story of it. Really, the only bit that I remember is when he lie when he lies, his nose gets bigger. But also he was made in the form of the craftsman who makes him's son who died. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Uh, they're the only bits I remember. Yeah, well that is that is the that asked the premise of this. Like you it starts off the uh, so David Bradley, so I don't I, I, he's been in a load of things. He was in Afterlife, he was Ricky Gervais's father in that. Oh, but yes. I will forever know him as the fella that's in Hot Fuzz as the the fellow who has the sea mine. Yes, he's and a really distinctive face. Yes. Yeah. And he's he's Phil Shin in Harry Potter as yeah. well. He is Geppetto, which is a really thing you wouldn't put together, but he is Hold on now, hold on. I have oh it's the voice. Okay. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's because it is stop motion. Confusing. Yes, okay. Yeah. See, he's just in it and everything else it's like the Muppets but stop motion it's just David Bradley is just confused like what the hell's going on here but yeah so David Bradley voices Geppetto and, uh, and he is like the father to Pinocchio basically okay. his son Carlo died when after like there was a bombing during I'm pretty sure World War 1 okay and that kills his son right so it's like it's pretty dark do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and then so Jiminy Cricket is played by Ewan McGregor so like he's kind of the storyteller behind it, and it's like there's something like because he starts off the story. Ewan McGregor is it's kind of a, I don't know a soothing voice maybe, mm, he but has. he's a, he's a guy that can really like capture and entertain all at the same time. Mm. So he's kind of the main, they're kind of the two main characters, and then Pinocchio as well, played by Gregory Mann. But like it's mostly about what Pinocchio, how Pinocchio was made, and then what he symbolized. But then Pinocchio's story, but it's kind of his impact the same way like Paddington when he came out. It's, it's literally just this bear. He's just constantly so nice and good and trusting and loving of people and his impact on the world. Okay. And it's it's essentially like that, but a stop motion. But is there a sadness in it in that these people kind of use Pinocchio then? They're, he's used constantly. Yeah, those sort of It's horrible, mm-hmm. but he always seems to power through it. Okay. And from it, he always seems to like, people that are kind of suffering, he helps. Do you know what I mean? And like, aren't getting on well. It's a very, it's pretty dark to be fair, but it is such a good movie. Like this, the second Pinocchio to come out this year. Yeah. Disney made one with Tom Hanks, which I, after like 10, 15 minutes, I had to give you up done. on. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a person to give up on movies, but mm. I couldn't compare it to it. So let's put Guillermo del Toro in the mix. What is he bringing to it yeah, then so as a filmmaker? He kind of brings this kind of etherealness of when Pinocchio, like the, the angel, do you know the way the angel is like this beautiful creature? It's, mm. It looks more like the, do you know the biblically correct angel type yeah. things it's like of all these kind of eyes that come together to mm-hmm. create something they're beautiful they are really beautiful creatures but it's definitely that kind of like mythical kind of mm. feeling to it but it is it's one of those things like there's there's a fairly big cast in it but it's just cast so well you don't even know it's like Ron Perlman's in there John Turturro Kate Blanchett oh. Tim Blake Nelson Christoph Waltz Tilda Swinton Tom Kenny's in there as well okay. and it's like you don't notice it at all. You don't feel like it's just mm. sun casting. And do you go into a movie like that kind of knowing the story or are you are, are they adding things to it? It's, it. I feel like I haven't seen the original, like, okay, mm. the original, but the Disney po- Pinocchio in years, mm. you know. I started watching the other one. Like, you, you know the story of it. He's a He wants to be a real boy. He's whatever, a, a, some sort of wooden puppet thing. And it's, 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 from what I remember, there's nothing that I'm like, oh my God, this happened. There is a bit of thing about the war that I'm like, I can't remember if this happened, but it I, it feels natural to the story, so maybe it is right. But it is genuinely, it's just a really good movie. Do you know, it's not even necessarily a kid's movie. You can definitely sit back and watch it yourself. Like, yeah, you know? and is it a long one? 
It isn't. I don't think it's too long. It's it's somewhere around two hours, one hour fifty seven. Okay, uh, which is hard in a cinema, but also more more difficult on Netflix. Were you happy enough to watch it on the small screen? Then? Oh, like I got caught in it completely. Okay, like that's I good to I know. was caught up in it for pretty much the whole time because there's always stuff happening and there's always like characters growing and changing and you can feel that they want to like you can feel these stop motion characters wanting to change and like that's when you know there's some magic in there because like literally it's not even they're not even moving they're like they're literally just loads of pictures together and it's like that's how you know it's it's done really well wow actually. and you know we're so used to all the you know incredibly sophisticated versions of animation yeah. now and yet were you happy to watch stop motion the oh, whole way through like it's gorgeous it's so natural you wouldn't even yeah. notice yeah oh it. even watching that trailer I was it's like so, and it's then so I read it was yeah. the stop motion director I suppose or filmmaker who's yeah. won an Oscar in the past well Kubo and the Two Strings was another great one from a few years ago and I feel like it's and there's, there's been a few stop motions recently but it is it's probably the best one I've seen in a while because it probably has the budget to do it like, you know? uh, well that's like putting Pinocchio gonna, on Netflix I'm going to give it like a 9 okay 9 out of 10 good stuff yeah. Lovely. It's, uh, I've had a great week. You have. Christmas movies have you been really great, to have. be fair. And thinking of that, 9 out of 10 for Pinocchio. Um, but before we go, we are doing a best of the Sunday Grill. Okay. Um, the week after Christmas, of course, uh, Christmas falls on a Sunday next week, so we won't be here. Will you come in and tell us some of your favourite movies? I'd love to do that. Uh, war- word of warning. The last time you did it, it was nearly 25 minutes long. Let's not do What's that. <laughs> okay. We'll aim for 30 this time. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll fill up that show for you. <laughs> so you come in and tell us your four favourite movies but will you do something else for me yes don't do the last couple of months because you really have had a good run yeah, I've had let's it. have a think back from January on okay I have, yeah? I have my list I'll his check mind my list. is yeah. already worrying <laughs> okay in the meantime nine and a half did you say did just, you give, go nine, just go at nine nine blood puddings out of ten for Pinocchio it is on Netflix thank you so much happy Christmas no bother Brian. Tom happy Christmas to you too Aww. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103